Welcome to Sports BKC, presented by Big O Tires. It's Friday, December 27th, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. Tis the season for bowl games, and Kansas State's Liberty Bowl game with Navy approaches. Beat writer Kellis Robinette is here to discuss the challenges the Wildcats face when taking on the nation's best triple option team that leads college football in rushing. We also chat about former Kansas State star running back Darren Sproles, who announced his retirement from the NFL last week. After a break, we hear from Patrick Mahomes, who right out of the gate explains why the Chiefs won't be holding back Sunday in the regular season finale against the Chargers, and he provides some insight about his first big pass of last week's game at Chicago, that completion to Sammy Watkins. But first, here's Bull Talk with Kellis Robinette, who's on his way to Memphis to cover the game on New Year's Eve. Kellis, how you doing? I'm doing good, Blair. How about you? Doing all right. Doing great. Great to catch up with you. And you've got a big football game to cover next week. And the Wildcats taking on Navy in the Liberty Bowl. It's a interesting matchup for a few reasons. From a K-State perspective, playing against a triple option team, that poses a unique challenge to, to anybody. How prepared is Kansas State going to be playing against an offense they, they never see? Yeah, well, that's the million-dollar question right now. Um, uh, Chris Kleiman talked to, about it a little at a signing day press conference and said that it's so complicated it's actually kept him up at night because um, he's actually faced the option before when he was at North Dakota State coaching against other FCS teams. He saw it occasionally, um, particularly most with Georgia Southern, who I believe um, was coached by Jeff Monk and uh, Army's coach at the time. and. I think Jarek McKinnon, who's now running back in the NFL, was their option quarterback. And he said that Malcolm Perry, Navy's quarterback, is better than he was. So, he, I mean, he's very impressed. Um, if you watch him play Army, uh, he had 300-plus yards on the ground. Navy won really comfortably, just turned the ball out on the ground against him. So it's a challenge, but the flip side of it is, is um, as complicated as it is to defend the triple option offense, Kansas State gets three whole weeks to prepare for it. And it's not like Navy's going to throw anything else at them. So, well, yeah, it's difficult to go from pass-happy offenses in the Big 12 to this, which is a complete opposite end of the spectrum kind of style. Um, They will get three solid weeks prepping for it. So, you know, if if there's ever a time to play a triple option offense, this is probably the time to do it. I wonder who will play – uh, Malcolm Perry on the scout team for, yeah, a, for K-State. That's or, a great question. Or who has been playing, I, I should say. Because because that's the thing. Um, they, know, they actually said that was the hardest thing to do, was teaching, repli- rep- teaching the scout team offense how to run it, because they, they had no idea. No, no. no. <laughs> it's all timing, and um, it, it's really interesting to watch. It, there, there's deception, obviously. Mm-hmm. Triple option offense is about deception, but... At least you know the you know ninety percent of the time they're keeping it on the ground. You know they're mm-hmm. going to run. It's just picking out who's the, who the ball carrier is. Right. And with with Perry, with Malcolm Perry, the quarterback, I mean the guy uh, puts up crazy numbers. I think, like you said, three hundred yards plus rushing against um, against Army. Navy leads the nation in rushing yeah. this year, three hundred seventy yards per game, mm-hmm. six point yard one. Six point one yards per attempt, which I believe is also tops in the nation. That's a healthy number. Yeah, and you know Kansas State's defense was uh, on a per attempt basis the worst in the Big Twelve this season. I believe four point nine yards per rush. So, not the greatest you know thing for them to see. But at the same time, like I said, they do get a whole month to prepare for it. So maybe they shore, shore some things up. I think one of the neat aspects about this game is neither team was in a bowl game last year. Kansas State, you know, was five and seven in Bill Snyder's last year. 
they rallied to an eight and four regular season. Met, uh, Navy made an even greater turnaround. I think there were three. They had three wins three last wins, year. Yeah, bottomed out. Mm-hmm. And to turn that into a ten and two uh, this season is phenomenal. Their losses were to Memphis uh, at Memphis, and Memphis is playing. Has yeah, played, they were great. Yeah, it's playing in the Cotton Bowl tomorrow uh, against Penn State as the champion of the American Conference. Uh, and then Notre Dame kind of kicked them pretty good. So I, I wonder if there's. To, to see Navy lose to a quality team in Notre Dame would give Kansas State fans some optimism that uh, that, that a good team can, can beat a, for lack of a better word, a little bit of a gimmicky team. Right, and it's probably cliche to say, but this is, this is definitely a game where a good start uh, matters a whole lot for both teams because if Navy gets out on, in front, say like 14-0 or something like that, whew. It's going to be hard right. to fight back from, but flip side, if Kansas State gets a double-digit lead early, then Navy all of a sudden has to start thinking about throwing the ball, and that's not their forte at all. So, yeah, you know, first first team to 10 points might win. Uh, first quarter will be really important. And, yeah, I mean, it's uh, there are a lot of instances on both sides. Like, you go back and watch what Army did to Houston last year in their bowl game and put up 70-plus points or whatever it was. <laughs> On Houston, um, and if you can't defend it, they can break a lot of long, long gains against you. But at the same time, if you do get it down, and I mean, if you stop them one time, that's a pretty significant stop. Right. I imagine there will be fewer possessions than normal in this game, just because both teams really do like to run the ball. Right, right, right. Let's talk about Kansas State in the season that they've had for a moment. A a season that kind of went in spurts, didn't it? I mean, it did. They, they, they got off to a, a nice start, had a little stumble at the beginning of Big 12 play, rallied from that, stumbled a little bit more, rallied <laughs> they from They came that. on back. <laughs> right, right. Um, all in all, when Kansas State was playing well this year, what what was going right for them? Uh, well, I mean, it was typical Chris Kleiman football. They didn't turn the ball over. They ran the ball. They controlled the pace of the game, and then they, they did a lot of good things on defense. Um you know, it's like you said, they followed a really uh, really strict pattern. Three wins, two losses, three wins, two losses. Now, if they keep it going and they beat Navy, it'll be another three wins. So it'll be a, you know, roller coaster, 9-4 season, but it would match their best one in, in uh, quite a while at Kansas State. So have the potential to have a really good year. Um, but, yeah, when they were at their best, uh, their running backs were healthy, and Skyler Thompson was able to, you know, be a true dual dual threat guy, running a little bit, throwing a little bit, and I think that was the key. When they asked Skyler to, I don't know, win games with his arm, it was tough. But when he could manage things and surprise teams with his arm a little bit, and they did have a balanced offense, they were really good. And that's what you saw, like when they beat Oklahoma, everything clicked. They scored on eight straight possessions. Had a really big lead, and you know had one of their biggest wins in a long time. And then other games like Oklahoma State. You know they they didn't have that working. Right, it was one of their one of their worst losses. So I imagine the um, the, the the Navy equivalent of the podcast that we're doing, uh, they're talking about Skylar Thompson and and the threat that he poses mm-hmm. as, as we've talked about Malcolm Perry, um, Skylar Thompson. Um, I, there are times this year I thought he was playing as well as any quarterback in the Big Twelve, and then he would. And, and I wouldn't say disappear, but then things would get difficult for him. It seems to me that when Kansas State's at its best, he's controlling the game with with his arm and his legs. Yeah, and I mean, you look back at, I believe it was over during non-conference play. I believe uh, Pro Football Focus had him as the top-graded quarterback in all of college football, even more than Joe Burrow's, Jalen Hurts, 
his statistics weren't the same, but he didn't throw nearly as much, so he didn't have the opportunities. But you could tell when they when they really established the ground game and did what they wanted to do and only kind of sprinkled him in as a passer more than actually relying on him to throw the ball. He did a lot of really good things. And he did, you know, good things in other games too. But you could tell when he brings his, his A game, I mean, much like you saw at North Dakota State when Easton Stick and Carson Wentz played their best games, that's when what they won the most. For sure. Hey, um... Kansas State is outside the top twenty-five right now, I believe. Right? They're not. They're not yeah, the they're receiving first, votes. Yeah, and one just of the outside. first, maybe maybe the first team or one of the first teams out. I think a victory in this game probably gets them into the top twenty-five. Is that is that significant? I think it is. Um, it's been a while since Kansas State has finished a season in the top twenty-five. I think it was maybe. 20, 2014 or twenty fifteen when Jake Waters was quarterback. Gosh, it's been that, it's that's been probably that long. the last time. Yeah, they the last time they went nine and four. They had a really slow start and they were right on the edge. They they beat Texas A and M in the Texas Bowl and were maybe the unofficial twenty seven or twenty eight team at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But so you know you look at that. Is there a big difference between twenty seven and say twenty four? No, not really. But it, it it gets you more notoriety. I think it helps the following season when media and coaches make their preseason polls because they look and say, oh, this team was ranked at the end of last year. They're probably going to be good next year, so let's not vote them ninth. Let's vote them fourth or whatever. Right. So I think it helps, and, um, you know, all, all the coaches get a little bonus if they finish <laughs> in the top 25. So it it'll be good all around, and, uh, you know, it'd be another nice feather in, in the cap for Chris Kleiman because – Coming into the season, their their over under in Vegas was only five and a half. Um, I think most people would have just said, you know, get a six wins, let's get back to a bowl, and then see where things go from there. To get to nine wins and be ranked at the end of the season would be a very very encouraging start. Beat writers do not get a bonus, I believe. Is that, uh, is that... Uh, not based on the team <laughs> performance, uh, unfortunately? Hey, so it was uh, it was uh, signing day recently, and I, I noticed that. Kansas State, at least in some of the rankings, came in a little higher than I usually mm-hmm. see Kansas mm-hmm. State. Second you know, recruiting class for uh, first full recruiting class for um, for Chris Kleiman. Look, everybody celebrates the recruiting class. You can have the <laughs> you can have the bottom rated recruiting class, and it would be celebrated by right, right. by that school. But what was uh, what was the reason for the high ranking that I saw? I, I guess I saw one in the low forties. Right. There, uh, um, at one point, uh, one of the rankings even had them as high as 39. I don't know if that stuck all the way through signing day. I think they did drop down in the 40s. But at one point, they had a top 40 recruiting class, which has not been done in over 10 years at Kansas State. So that obviously fluctuated a little bit by the time other schools catch up. Kansas State was uh, heavy with their early signings, having 23. So I don't necessarily know that they'll stay there. I think they'll probably end up right at about 50. But, I mean, for Kansas State, that's that's better than what it's been. Um, I, I'm just impressed that they were able to get so many players early because that was always a struggle with the previous regime. They do a nice job recruiting up until the season hit, and then they didn't really typically get anybody else until February. And even then, they were still adding guys in the summer. It seemed like recruiting was never over. And I think that's why they had some depth issues because they, were, you know, they weren't going with the guys on top of their board. They were going with guys they were just – finding on the street and putting in there. And sometimes they worked out. There were guys like uh, Trey Deshaun, who ended up starting for four years, who came out of nowhere. Nobody thought he was a D1 guy, and he turned out to be. So it can happen, but you don't want to be relying on that. I think typically the earlier you can sign a guy, the better chance he has of being good overall in college. And, and they, they've done that. They hit on a lot of guys that they liked early. 
I personally like Will Howard, a quarterback out of Pennsylvania, an area that I can't really recall they've ever recruited before, mm-hmm. but they got one of their best quarterbacks in that region to come down and play for them. I like uh, Chris Vaughn, a short little Darren Sproles type running back out of Texas. Had a high school game recently where he had something like 500 yards of total offense. I mean, I'll take that. I, he's only 5'7", but shoot, I'll take that. And uh, <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of guys in this class who chose Kansas State over other Power 5 schools. Um, you know, nothing like picking them over Oklahoma or Texas, but there were a lot of times where, you know, UCLA was in on a guy and they couldn't, uh, couldn't sway him or um, – you know, West Virginia, TCU were in there, and Kansas State won the battle. And that, that's been hard for them at times. And now with this current coaching staff, they're winning more of those. And I think overall, even though you're still not seeing for them five-star guys, I think overall the talent has improved on the recruiting trail. You mentioned Darren Sproles just a minute ago. Last week he announced his retirement from the NFL. How 15, about that? How about that? Fifteen years in the NFL after – uh, a, a great career at Kansas State where he was the career rushing leader, single season rushing leader, of course was an Olathe North star, Simone Award winner. I'll always, I'll always remember his game against Oklahoma at the Big 12 Championship game. Some of those runs, game. unbelievable. He didn't get in the end zone rushing. He did catch a an L. Roberson pass and took it in. He had 88 yards receiving that day, but he had 235 rushing yards against top-ranked Oklahoma mm-hmm. in that game. I, I'll remember, I remember covering that game and the atmosphere was was incredible. It really was for a college football game. I don't know if there was an anticipation of the upset. Oklahoma actually scored first in that game, and then K State ran off thirty five straight points and beat the bejesus out of <laughs> out of Oklahoma. It really was a great which day. nobody really stuck up in. I mean, there was I remember going before that game. The talk was Oklahoma was the greatest team ever, greatest team in college football history. Uh, in fact, they were. Their credentials were such that even even losing that game, they played in the college That's football right. yeah. championship game and lost to LSU in the in the national championship game. So I'm sure he'll get and he has been honored as as, as you know as a player like him can be. The question will be whether he's an NFL Hall of Famer. I think he's kind of a borderline call on that. But great career for for Darren Sproles. You think he could make it in? I think it'd be tough. Um, he. He's fifth all-time in all-purpose yards, and ahead of him are, among those ahead of him, are Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, Emmett Smith, but also Bobby Mitchell is ahead of him, and Bobby Mitchell's not in the Hall of Fame, the mm. three others are. Tim Brown, is right behind him on that list, is in the Hall of Fame, but a lot of these guys picked up their all-purpose yards rushing and receiving. Darren Sproles did his as a return guy. Can a Hall of Fame return guy get into the uh, NFL Hall of Fame? That's that's the question. It's an interesting debate. I, I can see it both ways. I mean, for a guy of his stature to play this long in the NFL and put up those stats is really incredible. But you're right, he is a little, eh, you know. It's, 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 it's going to be – someone's going to have to make a strong case for him in, in the meeting. That happens every Super Bowl. The, the Hall of Fame yeah. committee gets together. Need some K-State alums on that, That's uh, right. on that committee. That's right. <laughs> I'll get him in. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the dude was five foot six, and I remember when he was playing peewee football in Olathe and how he was dominating that. He was he was like the talk of the area. This 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 little dynamite uh, undersized kid was just dominating the uh, the youth league in, in Johnson County. So, hey, congratulations to Darren Sproles for, for an incredible uh, – football career, not just NFL career, but football career. And Callis Robinette, thank you for stopping by and have fun in Memphis. That can be, that can occur. Uh, it's hap- I know I've, I've done it. So uh, have a good time in Memphis and covering Kansas State Navy in the Liberty Bowl. And we'll talk some, some more K-State football and basketball next week. 
All right, I'll be walking on Beale Street thinking of you. There you go. <laughs> if your tires are so old, they literally remember the Alamo. That's a big oh no. Thankfully, for all your car's big O knows, there's always a big O yes. Now through December 31st at participating Big O Tires, save $70 instantly on sets of four Continental, Cooper, Goodyear, or Yokohama brand tires with paid installation purchase. Not valid with other offers. Disposal fees extra and up to 10% shop fee based on non-discounted regular retail price, not to exceed $35 were permitted. See store for details. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. You guys have some seeding stuff to go. Playing the stars, playing to win. Is that, that's the message for you guys this week? Yeah, I mean, that's we're, we're still building. I think that's the biggest thing. I know we're at the end of the season, but I feel like every single week you can see this team's getting better. And uh, we want to have that momentum uh, of going out there and playing our best football going into the playoffs. And so we understand that the Chargers are a really good football team, uh, and we, we know it's going to be a great challenge. So we're going to come in with the mindset that we've had these last few weeks of uh, playing our best football. The seeding stuff, I mean, with you – Keep any eye at all on what's happening with New England. Pay attention during the game. Uh, I, I won't be other than maybe if they do like the score updates on the, the scoreboard and you, you kind of have to, but I want to have that mindset that I've had these last few weeks of just playing playing the football the best way that we uh, that I can and really helping our team and our offense grow uh, every single week. And uh, whatever happens there, it happens. But we know we have that mindset of a week by week, day by day of being our the best people that we can be. Pat, can you compare where you guys are as an offense and as a team at this point to where you were at this point last year? Yeah, I feel like – uh, I mean, as a team, obviously, I feel like we're playing really good football right now, uh, offense, defense, and special teams. And as an offense, I feel like we st- we're kind of hitting our stride here as the, we get to the playoffs, uh, where last year we kind of were kind of hot throughout the middle. And the, as the season kind of got ended, we kind of were fluctuating a little bit. I feel like we're really building right now at the end of, end of this season. How do you see that momentum building offensively? What, what are you looking at that tells you that? Yeah, I think that we're, we're able to really do a different variety of things. Uh, we, we're hitting our shot plays, but if you look at this last game, it was it was moving the ball down the field a different way than we usually do, and I feel like that as an offense, we're able to do different things this year that we weren't last year, and that, that's going to really help us out going into the playoffs. You guys haven't scored as many points recently as you've been last year, but you haven't needed to. Mm-hmm. You feel like if you get into a game where you guys need a, a big score, you guys are still capable of doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think we've we got the opportunity, we've gotten and shown before that we're able to put up points if we need to. But if, if the defense is playing like like it's been these last few weeks, we're going to keep doing what, what we've been doing and putting up enough points and then uh, finding a way to get a win in the end. Matt, if you look at uh, statistics, even dating back to maybe like your high school days, it's been a long time since you've ever really had a, a, a solid defense. What's How much fun are you having that now on the other side of the ball you're, you're getting some of that support? 
Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, first off, just to see those guys who put in the work uh, succeed on, on that side of the ball. I mean, I've seen them every single day going through these extra walkthroughs and, and meeting with each other, and meeting with the coaches and doing whatever they need to do in order to, to play like they've been playing of late. And then and then with me and the offense, we understand that if we can go out there and put up some points, that we're they're going to hold the lead for us and we're going to find a way to get a win. Damian Williams last season came along at the end of the season. Of course, he came on late, but then he really progressed toward the end. Philly's going to be ready for that stretch right now that he's healthy and getting ready to get to the postseason run. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, as you, if you look through the season, the, the fact that we've been able to use all these different running backs, that's going to really help us out going into the playoffs. I mean, a lot of these guys have gotten opportunities, shown that they can make plays happen, and uh, we'll be able to use them in different variety of ways as we kind of make this uh, stretch run. With a five-game win streak, Patrick, uh, a number of guys have said it really began shortly after the loss to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Just what do you remember about that exchange and what it was like that work week leading up to the next game that sort of allowed this win streak to sort of begin? I think I think the biggest thing was just the amount of focus that you, we kind of got after that game. I mean, if you look at that the Tennessee game, we felt like we, we could have won that game, but we kind of lost focus there at the end of the game as offense, as a defense, and special teams. And so I think you saw a, a greater attention to detail uh, from each and every person in the, in this locker room of what they have to do each and every week in order to put their team put the team in the best uh, shape to win. Patrick, it was a, the play in the first drive where you, where you hit Samuel Hawkins over the middle. You threw that ball like particularly hard. I'm wondering if, if you realize when you released it, how hard you threw it, and if you're surprised that didn't catch the ball. No, I, I, I knew I was trying to fit. I knew I tried to fit it in and, and throw it, so I knew I had to kind of rip it because the guy was behind him. But the, the catch was spectacular. I mean, the way he was able to catch that ball, running with all that momentum across the field, and it was a little behind. I thought it was going to be uh, potentially intercepted, and he was able to just reach back and, and make a catch on that. And it really was a big play in the game to kind of get that first drive going, and then we found a way to score and kind of got the momentum in our favor. Have you seen the video after your touchdown when you were counting on your fingers, and have you seen all the upwards caused on national television? I've, I've seen the video, uh, and I mean, I, I've I've seen people talk about it, but for me, it's just going out there and playing football and loving it while you're doing it. But it was you did it for a reason. Oh, I, I not not necessarily a reason, just kind of enjoying it out there. When when you guys have plays, there's some stats out there, third and fifteen, third and eighteen, whatever. I mean, you just your numbers are really good doing that. Where, where does it come from? Is it attitude? Is it the, the coach believes it? Third and eighteen is not a problem. You can you know go ahead and try to get a first down. Don't check it down. Where, where does that come from? Is it more you, more him, more the guys around you to just say let's go get a first down, not give up? I mean, first I think I mean coach preparing us uh, for those situations. I mean we we have times in training camp where it's just third and long, where we're third and eleven plus, and we're working uh, against the defense, knowing that they're in the more of the the prime position that they want to be in to try to get stops, but he's putting us in those situations so that we're prepared to either hit the first down or check it down and find a way to try to knife through and get the first down. And and then I think it goes with a lot of trust between teammates. I mean, when you when you have a third and long like that, the offense line has to do their job of protecting and, and for a long time, and then the receivers have to do their job of getting open, and then they have to trust that I'm going to put the ball out on time and still give, give them chances to make plays. And I think just first preparing that way and then trusting each other has given us the opportunity to, to make some of these third and longs happen. Do you feel it, Pat, you're more prepared for what the defense is doing in all these situations than maybe 
there's less surprise for you on those downs than maybe on a regular down and distance situation? Yeah, I, I, I think just in general, I, I'm more prepared just because more experience that I've had this year and, and going into last year, I really try to use all that experience to prepare myself. I mean, there's still times where I feel like the defense gets me, but that, that happens. I mean, they're, they're great defensive players over there and great coaches on that side of the ball too. But whenever I get an unscouted look, I'm able to kind of fall, fall back on stuff that I've done now in my short career, and I hopefully it will keep building that uh, memory bank as I go. When was the last time you felt like the defense got you? Was there anything you could point to in the Chicago game, for instance? Yeah, the Chicago game, they hit me with a, a blitz where they dropped kind of both their ends, and they brought both uh, a dime 26 bush on this side, and then they brought the uh, nickel uh, uh, number 24 on the other side, and and they got me with my protection call, and so I kind of was hot, and I kind of just threw one in the middle of nowhere because I, cause I they, they had gotten me, which I probably shouldn't have done, but uh, there's still times every game where they get you because, I mean, defense is they're, – they're scouting us just like we're scouting them. I think, it was week six, I think it was week 13 when you said you, you felt the healthiest you've been since week one. Unique year where it seems like you're getting a little stronger each week. Do you feel that sensation where you're feeling, you know, with all the injuries a little bit more comfortable each every, every single week? Yeah, I, th I think so. Each and every week, uh, I'm able to kind of still go through the rehab and the treatment process uh, and, and just prepare my body. And I feel like this year I've learned that is even if I'm not feeling, even if I am feeling 100%, uh, I still want to go in there and take care of my body. Whereas last year, I might have just got out, got out of here whenever I was done with my film study. I've really spent more time in the training room just preparing my body, just knowing that I need to be the best shape possible going into the playoffs. Did they want you to do that, or did you seek that out and say, okay, I'm going to almost do prehab here? Yeah, as I kind of kind of I mean, I was I was kind of in the training room early with the ankle injury. That I've kind of realized that I, I just want to keep taking care of my body in that in that way. And uh, I thought I thought I was before that, but just this year, I've really understood that I can take care of my body even better. A couple more guys with with uh, with so many guys that I've talked to, Patrick, to say that it's a joy to watch you guys on offense play, particularly the defensive guys, whenever they get a chance after maybe adjustments on the sideline. Do you find yourself doing that more this year or even of late, watching the defense sort of operate from your vantage point on the bench, or are you taking time during your normal film session to sort of see what the defense does in the All-22? Uh, I don't know if I do during during my film session, but I, I do watch them during the game, and I understand some of the stuff they did just from training camp, and obviously they've built to their repertoire and everything like that. But it is it's cool to see the passion and, and uh, the fire that those guys are playing with. I mean, you can see it from Tyron, Frank, whoever it is, uh, Hitch, or whoever it is on that defense. They're, they're playing fast. They're playing with a lot of confidence, and uh, they're, they're, they're playing really good football right now. Hey, Patrick, the quarterback found fraternity around the NFL seems pretty tight, and, and specifically to Phillip. Rivers, what do you remember the most about your first interaction with him, and, and how would you describe your relationship with him? Yeah, I mean, for, I mean, he's a, he's a great competitor. I mean, he, he's someone who, who loves the game of football. He's going to compete to the very end uh, every single game, and and he's had a lot of success doing that. And he's he is he's a great great person from all my interactions with him. I mean, he's a great dude, but uh, I mean, he's a, he's a fiery and he's a good competitor. Okay, thanks guys. Thanks, Thank you. Merry Thank Christmas. You. Links to the stories about Kansas State and the Chiefs can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Thanks to producers Randy Mason and Derek Donovan for piecing together today's show. And that'll do it for another week of Sports BKC presented by Big O Tires. We'll be back on Monday to break down the Chiefs-Chargers game and to look ahead at the Chiefs' playoff situation. Thanks for listening.